if you get six perfect brands, you don't have a gap anymore. Last time we talked about the Japanese anime Salazanmai and we dived quite deep into what it meant and opened a lot of uh, drawers, ideas for reflection. And so the main thing that I got from talking to a couple of listeners is that they hadn't seen Salazanmai and they actually tried, but what bothered them was the the repetition you know how there is this pattern of this typical monster of the week episode structure where oh you have the you have the good guys fighting the bad guy of the week and yeah i argued with them about that what, what do you think about that <laughs> it bothered me as well like the first few episodes you're like it seems like a very normal Albeit a bit weird, but kind of normal anime that is a bit boring. Like, the first two to three episodes are a bit boring, kind of following, a pa like, a shonen pattern. So I can understand that, like, they're a bit bored by it. And also, if you don't get that the weirdness come with, like, symbolism, is something that the author won't say, and you just think it's a weird anime, then I think it can just get boring and, like, If you're only looking at it literally. Yeah, exactly. But so, but this repetition uh, serves a purpose, right? It's it's a depiction of a broken system, inertia, like they are stuck in their own routine, and that is what like the, I, I'm pretty sure the director does that very consciously on purpose, and you can tell because it's actually even though it looks uh, very similar, it's actually not recycled animation. The policeman dance, for instance, is different every time. Yeah. Uh, so I think he really consciously builds up this uh, routine and this boredom, like this uh, feeling of people that are stuck in a, in this cycle so that he can break it later on. But I understand that it's not the most fun things to see. <laughs> yeah. And, like, it might be interesting and important. I don't think the anime would have more much chance without it. But the thing is, I do think that it could have been one or two episodes, maybe a bit longer episodes, showing, like, two or three routines without going into that much details. Like, I mean, for example, if you do play, like, the tiny parable, at the, at the beginning, you're kind of trapped for, like, three minutes, and you actually feel trapped, and you don't need to feel trapped more than that. And like you, you just like feel it and you're like, okay, good. Like I, I get it. Like I get the setup. Now let me play the thing. I don't think you need to actually feel like the character. I guess it is, it is a good point. It's probably one of the hardest fine tuning to do as an artist, as a creator. And it's true that the Stanley Parable pretty much nailed it. And maybe Sarazen might didn't as much. So I have another point that comes from uh, a conversation I was having with a Zizek fan. So Do you know Slavoj Žižek? No. No? Oh, you love that guy. He is kind of like an internet celebrity at the same level as Jordan Peterson. Kind of like okay. one of these. Slavoj Žižek, yeah. He's a Romanian psychoanalyst and philosopher. Okay. He's Lacanian, of course. He studied in uh, Paris 5, maybe, one of the Paris universities. Uh, 
And so he's really, really into Lacan, obviously. And his particularity is that he mixes Lacan and sociopolitical commentary. His big, th his big thing is ideologies. And so it fits very perfectly with what we were talking last time about Salazanmai and the boxes, etc. So one textbook example of Zizek, uh, Zizek's essays is comparing this objet petitard to... He has two main examples, the, the Coca-Cola-ness of Coca-Cola or the surprise inside Kinder Surprise. And so his whole point is that the socio-political ecology, uh, economic uh, complex around you is very focused at exploiting this object petita gap. And so the re essentially, uh, if I want to set up really quickly what he says is that like the reason Coca-Cola is so important as a brand is because it is constituent of your identity as an answer to the like uh, filling the gap of object petita. And yeah, so it's a very nice parallel to this Kappa box. Uh, I'm not sure I understand. Like, so the cokeness of coke, do what? <laughs> I should have rewatched some Zizek to prepare for this. But essentially, when you advertise Coca-Cola, yeah. you don't really care about the product or the even the image. You care about idealized conceptualization of uh, happiness that speaks directly to the gap that is missing in people. Mm. Because there's a, like, there's a brand theory, I'm like depressed me that I know that, but like there's a brand theory calling like, uh, like different brands with like different categories of brand. And so Coke is I, like it's six different colors. So like there's brown, brown, brown brand, this yellow brand, uh, whatever, <laughs> like red brand. Uh, and and Coke is like a brown brand <laughs> because like it it makes you happy and you feel at home basically and so it projects that outside and like they create like this whole like Christmas thing and etc so it makes you feel good and like there's other brand like I don't know red brand would be like Red Bull because it projects like power, it projects sports, it projects like that sort of thing. And you also need that sort of like feeling so you can buy like this brand, you can feel like belonging and stuff like that would be a yellow brand like United Color of Benetton, stuff like that. So I think what you would say is that these six color of brand would be six side of object petite maybe. Uh, and if you get six perfect brand, you you don't have a gap anymore. <laughs> that's, that's reasonable. How many episodes are there with boxes, <laughs> with secrets? <laughs> we could have estimated that. But yeah, so this whole consumerist uh, spectrum of uh, the, like this old consumerist angle on Lacan is really cute to think about in perspective with Sarah and Mai, and maybe we should have thought a bit more about that. Today's sponsor is Shops. Shops are places where you can trade currencies for goods. There is a wide variety of shops for everything you may need. 
So if you ever feel like exchanging currencies for goods, drop by one of the shops. By the way, I meant to tell you that I uh, fulfilled a long-lasting uh, to-do <laughs> to get to know a little bit more about Banksy. Okay. Because, I mean, I heard his name here and there, but I actually didn't know much about what he did. And uh, there's a frightening amount of stuff I don't know anything about. But anyway, I, uh, I watched... Well, my main source of information was the uh, movie Exit to the Gift Shop. Do you know it? No. So there is no uh, no Banksy movie, and like he's very secretive about his image. But there is a documentary about a French guy who got to know him and got very close to him uh, by being very uh, persistent. What do you mean persistent? So, yeah, so this is the story of the, the, this French guy who is a bit weird, a bit obsessed. And his obsession is, is filming everything in his life all the time. I think it might be like a little clinical, like a, actual, an actual problem. And that, that they do tackle that in the movie. But anyway, so he feels everything all the time and he gets into street art and tagging through his cousin. And so he wants to film everything about street art, all the street artists, and uh, he wants to film Banksy. And by a strike of luck, he was at the right place at the right time when Banksy needed a, a, a man. Uh, because filming everyone, he got contacts. And one day in LA, he was in LA filming just whatever. And Banksy needed a man to do a delivery or whatever on last minute. So through these contacts, they met. And he turned out to be pretty reliable and uh, dedicated, obviously, because he's completely obsessed. Mm -hmm. And so he filmed, uh, and Banksy thought it was a good idea to document a little bit the, 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 the atmosphere and the goal of his work. So it's the story of how they met, how they worked together, and how eventually Banksy realized that this guy was a little bit, um, a little bit sick, probably. Yeah, no kidding. And get and got rid of him by uh, financing, uh, giving him essentially an exhibit. Okay. That was a smash hit. Uh, an exhibit. I mean the. Quality of the exhibit is debatable because art is, but so it's a lot of mass-produced stuff, and he completely like overbuilded it up so that it's mostly like fame, and people come and end up appreciating it. And it reminded me a lot of the London number one restaurant on TripAdvisor that you showed me. So you probably should introduce it. And okay, <laughs> I need to introduce two things. Uh, because so there's this video about TripAdvisor, like a f fake restaurant going into like the first rank of TripAdvisor restaurant in London. But also I've just watched a video literally just before this episode about a girl that do a fake art exhibition in London. So what she does is like she just buy canvas and ask all of her friends that are not artists to like paint shitty abstract painting. And then, like, do an actual exhibition around, like, this shitty painting. And she actually sold seven paintings. Okay, but how does she bootstrap it? Because you need connections to make, uh, to, to seem serious. Apparently not really. Like, 
you just can rent a place like rent uh, arcs exhibition and then like and people just assume <laughs> okay well she has the money to rent a place for starters that's, that's so she has the money to rent a place she has the money to do flyers she put flyers like everywhere on the street and she's a youtuber so i'm so i guess she has some connection because she has like one million subscriber but I, I, I do prefer the example of the TripAdvisor restaurant because they really literally came from nothing, right? They made a fake page, left reviews, uh, just declined everyone in, on the phone, and it kept growing and growing. It was almost not on purpose, but that, that's, that was a very interesting story. <laughs> what do you mean not on purpose? Well, I... I don't think he set out to be the number one restaurant on TripAdvisor. He set out to see how far he could go. Yeah, yeah. Well, he wanted he wanted it to be the first one. He, he seemed like it went beyond his expectations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All of his videos, this guy... I can't remember the name of this guy, but all of his videos are like that. It's like, okay, let's take shitty jeans and make it to, like, the Paris Fashion Week. I don't know, like, just four videos like that. Like, oh, let's... It just feel like... Today's, if you fake it enough, it always works. What was interesting about the fake art uh, video is that you can argue that it's actually an art installation. Like the whole thing is, uh, like each piece is not art in itself, but like the actual thing is an art installation. And well, the girl didn't really think it's true. Like I don't think that was the purpose at all, uh, which is interesting because you can then argue that like if. The intent was not art, yeah. About the art and intent, yeah. But that's the thing, like, none of these examples are conscious commentaries on fake it until you make it. Maybe the TripAdvisor guy. But uh, I th I think these are amazing works of uh, postmodern art. <laughs> and that's why, like, I really like what Banksy did. But compared to all this other stuff, like, I think he could do could go further in denouncing the hypocrisies of the system like that TripAdvisor guy did <laughs> because so one thing i wanted to ask you because i noticed that often during parties or debates one thing that drives you crazy is when people are expressing some kind of inconsistencies. Like they said A and a few minutes later they are implying non-A. And like fair enough, I hate that too. But I wanted to dig uh, a little bit into why is that a problem? Because I've had a lot of discussions that some that like ended like that essentially like oh you you're all just inconsistent so I can't handle it <laughs> I, I don't know where to go from there you're saying two different things and that's very topical when it comes to current American politics let's not go into details of uh, like what actual content is but why is logical consistency like, what's the value, the inherent value of logical consistency, essentially, is what I want to ask you. <laughs> That's easy. <laughs> Why does it drive you insane when people don't do... Don't... So I think, like, the first thing and maybe the most obvious answer to that is you can't have a discussion without being consistent. And that shows where, like, in a simple sentence, it just... 
The thing is with the human brain, I don't think we're made to be super consistent. We're not logical being right at the bat. So we're pushed into being logical by language. And so we force being logical, but we are actually like not a logical species. But the thing with language is it forces us to be consistent for it to make sense. And, and language is based on being consistent. The only problem is we don't have a perfect memory of what we're saying. So it pushes us to not be consistent. So like in a debate, you can say something. Uh, after 10 sentences, you just forgot that like you were telling that thing. So you became inconsistent. And the thing with debate is that usually what happens is the opposite parties is more focused on what you're saying. So you actually see that like the inconsistency more in a debate format than in a normal conversation format. But I don't think being inconsistent is super... You can live without being 100% consistent. And I think that, for example, it can be a problem to be 100% consistent and you cannot be. Like if you take a good place, is that like it shows exactly that. Like you can be consistent... Like, so spoiler alert for uh, the second season of The Good Place, like they go to hell based on the system and the system is you always go to the bad place because even if you're super consistent with being good, you always do bad stuff in our current system because the system is too complicated. So you can't be right now in our world, if you want to be 100% consistent, you can't do shit because... The good place was really nice at uh, at highlighting the the fact that everything has unintended consequences, right? Yeah, and a lot of them, and mostly bad. <laughs> so, 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 so to go back to the first point, like I don't think you can be one hundred percent consistent, and I don't think we should even aim for that. I think it would be insane. So you you're saying that human nature is like essentially uh, inconsistent. And that even if you're trying to be consistent, uh, like in uh, highlighted by this great example of the good place, it's harder and even impossible because the world is comp is too complicated. So in the good place, they show that it's impossible essentially to be good, to like mm -hmm. want to do good things and to do good things. But you can still be consistent in your intent based on your limited knowledge because it's impossible to know all the ramifications and all the bad things but where does intent come into this i mean i mean if we take the, the good place example uh i don't agree with you because because you're never you can't be consistent with your intent meaning your intent is i don't want to kill people and you know if like you're just or you don't want to know but like don't want it's already not being consistent meaning you can google search anything and you know something it's just so i guess a perfect consistency with a, a strong intent like a perfect intent implies getting the knowledge to realize the intent so you'd have like you this is how you wash away this problem of un un imperfect knowledge well in 2019 yeah okay in 2019 like in 1500 clear it's not the same thing but right now we have google google <laughs> kill us the, this is probably a, a topic for another well, i don't know like uh, it like information uh is is too much information killing us i i think no no but like is it the topic of another episode or of this episode <laughs> we, we we don't need to deep dive into it right now but it, it's less possible to be consistent now with what you believe now that you have perfect information always. Like access to perfect information always. The accessibility of 
information will ruin every illusion of consistency you may have. So it's even yeah, exactly. like from before we said like we're born inconsistent. It's impossible to be consistent. And now even when you think you believe, uh, even when you think you're consistent, like Google, uh, quick Google search shows you that it's not even the case. Yeah. So in this very postmodern world, <laughs> uh, we can go to the next step. <laughs> that was fast. In 10 minutes, we, <laughs> we removed every hope of consistency. Oh, yeah. I mean, we are 2019. Everything is postmodern. Everything is relative. <laughs> oh, my God. But, okay. yeah, relative consistency. But let's go back to a micro level. So, so at a macro level, at a human life level, like it's not possible. Let's move on to a micro, to a micro level of like debating and like, or just actually the statement. For, for taste and like for things like that, I think it's, it's not that important and you don't actually need to be consistent. Like, who, who the fuck cares if you prefer A over B over C? I think what's important is, like, in language. Like, when it comes to language and, like, talking to, to a person, then you need to be aware that you can be inconsistent and try to remove the inconsistency of when you're talking. Because if you're not consistent with what you're talking, you don't make sense. Like it's a base of communication, and I we can't. I know that like we we can't really talk about Trump, but I think we can still can a bit. I mean, yeah, I think we can say neutral things. <laughs> we we can probably very neutrally point out some inconsistencies. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I think so as well. Uh, and so so when Trump is one of the most inconsistent public figure in the public space right now. It's a good example. And I think it's fair and honest and unbiased to say that. Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, he ran in, in 2000, he ran for president on the premise of giving free healthcare. Like 16 years later, <laughs> he's running the most conservative agenda ever in the States. So right at the bat, like the political set is completely inconsistent with himself. And, and the problem with that is then to agree with him, you need to remove any kind of logical critique of like what you're saying. And you just need to agree with him at a character level, meaning at a personal level. What, what does that mean? Because you agree with a statement and if you have two opposite statements... No, no, that's that's the thing. That Do you mean that completely removes the the form the, the content of the statement and that completely puts the emphasis on the form? Completely. But uh, you, how can you agree with the form? Isn't agreeing saying like oh my my I, I think your statement is correct? But not really though, because like you can you can see that with opposition. When you see the Democrats trying to be against Trump you can see that they don't know how to do that because you have a guy that like don't care about consistency at all. And so what Democrats do is they come at a very logical point of view. They're like, yeah, this won't work because A, B, C, D. So they're very logical and they put their points and, and Trump is completely the opposite. He's like, meh. And, and so people that trust Trump don't, yeah, they agree with him at a very basic level, but like what he's just saying is let's be patriot, 
but then like he's not consistent with anything else he's just like even in the same sentence he can like remove consistency he can say i didn't do it and the sentence just after that is yeah i did it but that was not a problem so i don't like he speak at a very intuitive level he doesn't really care about meaning he only care about the emotions that goes with what he's saying okay uh, and i think it's a very weird way to like interact with like someone <laughs> the struggle with being inconsistent is you can't change your mind because right at the bat your mind is not set like it just like it makes no sense because there's no mind there's no point there's no like physics in the argument yeah so so you can't you can't yeah you can't, <laughs> you, you you can't destroy it that could be seen as a plus i mean in a way you can say you trans you're transcending the debate by taking a, an absolute position <laughs> that is sure to be successful yeah but, but but that's a problem though because because it's unfalsifiable <laughs> by by definition so, but the problem is that it kills communication that's what you said so the main problem of inconsistency is that it is impossible to communicate essentially I would like to give a warm thank you to our sponsor, Redundancy. Redundancy is a world-famous method to get your message across. Thanks to its repetitive character, Redundancy will surely make your message something no one can forget. This is why Redundancy is already used all around the globe by leaders in advertisement to get messages across. It really is a surefire way to make yourself heard. So if you ever have a point that you aren't made, consider redundancy. Redundancy. To sum up what we said, we said that consistency is not innate, it takes an effort. And it's and the point we reach is that it's more or less essential to quote unquote make sense to have a conversation and a debate to exchange ideas i i, I don't know it's the, that's the point that is still unclear to me like what is the point of making sense <laughs> why is it important to make sense no that's a good that's a good that's a good point why, why do we need to make sense as I, I like yeah that's a good question and i think it comes from like literally where we come from as like a species like i don't think until gatherer were debating if it make like it was important to make sense. I think they cared about how to put salt in their meat to keep it for like three days instead of one. Uh, yeah, but then you have already debates about the two experiments that this guy puts a pinch of salt and this guy put two, and then they have to agree on experimental results to see which is the best way. Apparently, no. no. Apparently, the, the <laughs> this hasn't happened that like quick yeah, at the human species level like we figure out the scientific method in like 1500 uh, before that we were not consistent okay. human being like we just were not we didn't know science before like yeah it's all a matter of science and rationality i think so i i, th I think we invented being consistent as a way to progress like not so long ago like 500 years ago in a way in a way it's kind of like 
science, but for conversations. And, and that's the point. Like, you can live without being consistent. And that's why people do it, because it's less taxing on their human... On their human... It's less taxing on their human pet. Uh, it's, it's less taxing on, the, on their brain uh, resources, obviously, because... As we said, like it's not innate, so we need to to like actually do a process of being consistent, and it's taxing because you need to memorize like what you're saying, you need to memorize like your belief, and you like so it's like taxing, which I can argue it's not because if you're always consistent, you don't need to like it's like being honest, like you don't actually need to think about the direct consistency if you always say the same thing, then like the consistency can always be at the first level. Yeah, but you have to uh, align all your beliefs yeah. at some point, and that's hard because belief is quite an open-ended set. So that's one of the things that like, I try to do for a long time now, to align like everything that I think with a formal level of consistency. It's can be uh, like I don't think it's a good way to I think it's good for me because I'm a bit obsessive I don't think it's I wouldn't push that to everyone meaning it's taxing it's a bit useless and like it makes you realize shit that are completely useless like ooh I don't know sometimes in a debate I can like have a point and then figure out that it's not consistent with another point that I just made and I can't continue my like my point I'm just like going you back you have to, to reevaluate your whole life yeah exactly you need to reevaluate everything for a small the thing yeah the thing with being exactly the thing with being 100% consistent at a conversation conversational and belief point of view like standpoint is that even a small mistake can destroy a big belief that you have so for example a big belief that I have is I don't know. Like, let's invent something. I don't like the color blue. Okay. Okay. So that's a big belief. The only problem is I love blueberries. So that's inconsistent. But should I remove that big belief or I hate the color blue because I like bl blueberry? Or should I just say I don't like blueberry anymore, which isn't true with like what I like at a taste level? Or should you embrace your inconsistency? <laughs> or you embrace your inconsistency. <laughs> but, but we said we shouldn't do that for progressing in language and blah, blah, blah. So I don't know. I, I don't know. I think like there's a level of consistency that we should keep. But at the same time, I'm not even sure that we should aim to be 100% consistent. And we said it's impossible anyway. <laughs> but so how would you advise in real life to address a conversation with someone that's not being logical? Oh, yeah, that's OK. Yeah, let's go into a bit of a, of a practical part. Yeah, life advice. Life advice. <laughs> save me, save me, Vlad Senpai. So, so I wouldn't like So the thing with me is I don't mind talking about the same thing for hours. Like it's just something that I don't mind doing. And I don't mind also spending hours explaining the same shit to someone that just don't understand. So the first thing is, I think, like something that you just can't do, it's like just a personality. It's you need... <laughs> you need to like it. Like, <laughs> you need to... Yeah, exactly. You need to like trying to push consistency to someone. But the second thing also is to push... But uh, have you ever tried to push consistency in itself? Or do you keep focusing on the actual content of the, the, the conversation? Like, do you ever say, oh, let's take a step back? Do we want to make sense? <laughs> so that's useless because people don't think about their statement as inconsistent. Uh, no one thinks that. Like, and at a debate level even more because like, they want you to like change your point of view. So they won't, usually people won't say, oh, 
sorry, I was being consistent, even if you pointed out. So I, I don't think just saying like, let's be, let's take a step back. Like what's consistency and blah, blah, blah would work because no one think of themselves of being consistent being. And they, yeah, yeah. So, 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 okay. so, so that doesn't work. What I do when I debate with someone that is not that consistent is I use their inconsistency against what they're saying. Meaning I'm saying, okay, let, let's take this second fact, even if it's not true and consistent, let's take that second fact as true. And then you push the logic further. And usually what happens mm. is everything crumbles because it's not consistent to begin with. But the thing is like the inconsistent, the first inconsistency is not that obvious because no one make obvious inconsistency. Like people think of that constant being, so they don't like they don't say I like orange, and two sentences after I don't like orange. Trump does, but normal human beings. <laughs> uh, so what what my uh, maybe only advice is when someone is being inconsistent and you spot it, it's actually not to tell them that it's inconsistent. It's like okay, let's take that point and let's push it as far as we could. And like, then the inconsistency is completely obvious. It never works though. Like I'm doing, I like doing that. It never works because then people will say, oh, you're pushing it too far. Over-rationalize. Oh yeah. And then people don't like you pushing their idea too far because they don't want to be exposed to logical. Yeah. They don't care about consistency, basically. Yeah. They, they don't care. Like, uh, and at that point, like you go back. Like you, and, and that's why like it takes hours and like usually it's useless, me meaning you don't convince them of shit. But you, you're saying that they don't care about consistency. I think this is the, the biggest point for me that the, the goal of the conversation is not to make sense if they don't care about consistency. No, the goal of the conversation is usually to push you to believe something. Yeah. And the thing is, I don't, I really think it's because of how we are taught at school that people don't think, don't really want to change their point of view. Oh yeah, because the, the whole thing about like, oh, there is one right answer and that's what you're supposed to learn. It's, it's very passively damaging for, for anything. And I think like you can learn it like, on, uh, like late in your life. Like, I mean, I was not. When I was younger, like before I was, I don't know, 20, I was really not a person that say like, I'm wrong, you're right, like you convinced me. I've changed completely in the last like seven years. You, you need to But train like, Yeah, li literally, like logically, I saw that in myself. Like I was like, okay, when I debate, I never agree with like the other guy. I need to work on that and I need to not care when I'm wrong. And that worked. I mean, like. You, you can work on that. You can see yourself, check on yourself. Okay, like, am I, am I being logical? Can, like, is that debate? Like, also about debating, I think the important part is you need to have a debate with something that, like, you can change your point of view on. If you debate on something that you're sure you won't change your point of view, then it's a bit useless. And you know that the other guy usually don't want to change their point of view and are not open to change their point of view. <laughs> But if you're a consistent person, you can change your point of view on anything. You can make me believe that like there's a unicorn in the world. Like I'm open to that conversation. Maybe there is, I don't know. Like I will argue that like there's no unicorn, but if you show me proof, like why not? Peer-reviewed literature. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, I don't really, yeah. It needs to be a good peer review literature because there's a lot of yeah. shitty one. But so, I, yeah, I just think people need to be more. I think being consistent comes with being open to being open to any kind. It's being agnostic about the world. And being open to, to new ideas. The good thing with being consistent with yourself is that you can change. Okay, so leave, leave us comments on all the reddits. All, all of them, but mostly notdailypodcast.com. Or Twitter us at notdailypodcast on notdailypodcast.gmail. And thanks a lot for listening. 